The following conversations were surreptitiously recorded beginning in 1994 in Denver, Colorado, and intermittently through to the present day. To protect the identity of our sources, some names, locations, and details have been changed. To preserve our ardent pursuit of the truth, everything else has been kept exactly as you will hear it. Hey, um, uh, boss, sir, there's something we think you should see. What? What is it? It better not be another... Well, um, we were we were digging in some stuff at the stadium. I do not care about dinosaur bones. And, um, it's, it's not... Stop calling me about dinosaur bones. I don't give a shit about dinosaur bones. We're not a fucking discovery museum. Do you see a fucking Tesla coil in center field? Get them out of there. There, there it's, it's, um, it, it's not dinosaur bones, sir. It's... What you know, is it? Uh, I love Tesla coils. What? It's some sort of, um, large black monolith. Uh, what? Uh, it could be more of a dark purple. Uh, the, the true colors might be obfuscated in the afternoon sun and all. How, how, how large are we talking here? Ten feet? Uh, probably closer to twenty, maybe twenty-five. And you're sure it's not another fucking dinosaur bone? Uh, I don't think so. We did find more dinosaur bones if you want those, though. I... I don't need this right now. I'm sick of this. I bought this team to get away from the fucking stress. The last thing I need is a 20-foot fucking tall monolith. Maybe 25. I don't even need to see them win. I just want to see the Rocks play 500 ball. The Colorado Rockies play in Coors Field. The stadium was built for the 1995 season and it is one of two stadiums remaining in Major League Baseball named for a beer company, the other being the Cardinals' Bush Stadium. It is a dwindling partnership. Other stadiums are now named for banks, insurance companies, the things off which alcohol prospers in the first place. It is a symbiotic relationship, and the ice-cold side of it is the only one the Rockies have ever known. Beer has always been ingrained in the DNA of baseball. In the mid-19th century, according to a number of sources, baseball was so far from a reputable enterprise that players who reached third base would get a beer. Drink up, dear friend. Your long journey will soon come to an end. The result wasn't what mattered. It was the job well done getting there. And for players who were already a few sheets to the wind and weren't making much money anyway, why not add to the fun with a friendly wager? These practices wouldn't so much fade from existence as much as be wiped from it entirely. As the business of baseball grew, so did the need to maintain a veneer of legitimacy. The drinking, gambling, and general debauchery peppered throughout all eras of human history were quietly escorted into back rooms where they belonged. Wheaties boxes weren't going to sell themselves. Baseball would never again become what it once was a bastion for brazen gambling addicts to drunkenly embarrass themselves in public. The ancient Greeks invented a device called the Aeoli Pile, the world's first steam engine. No practical application of the device has ever been discovered. They had stumbled into technology so advanced they did not yet have a use for it. Should we just kick off right into the opening discussion of why exactly the Rockies are the first team that we're dedicating an episode to? It's important, we believe, as the uh, the only baseball podcast that you can trust to be sort of uh, unfiltered and unabashed about the things we cover. Because a lot of people tell you if you listen to your baseball podcast for news or 
uh, hot takes because you can't come up with them yourself and need to go, ooh, what player is going to sign where or whatever, you might not be curious about what the Rockies are doing. But we at Wide Strike Zone are more curious about the Rockies than practically any other team this offseason because they're the true wild cards, the true renegades, the ones you can't contain and the ones you can't explain. They sort of like exemplify a wide strike zone. They do. Anything could fall within their purview. They are theoretically never out on any free agent because we don't really know what their mode of operation is. Some teams will come out and say, we're terrible. We have no intention of being good. We're not going to sign Shohei Otani. Some teams will say, we intend to compete for a World Series. We're going to try and sign Shohei Otani. The Rockies say neither. The closest thing we ever get is the Rockies saying they're going to try and play 500 ball, which at this point perhaps is more of a threat than a uh, anything resembling an aspiration. The The Rockies are, are like legitimately as likely to sign Shohei Otani as they are to say, actually, we don't want to be in the MLB anymore. They're the true rogue team of MLB. The other 30, not other 30, other 29 teams at the owners' meetings should be voting to censure them. Yes. From their perspective, not ours, we encourage what they're doing. We encourage. Oh, we love it. People bemoan the days of, of teams operating differently. But usually when they said that, they just mean, you know, one team is bad at trading players. Uh, this is a team that is, you know, playing a different game. They're playing chess while everyone else is playing baseball. So we should we should talk about the history of the Rockies, too, because it has come to my attention that people who know nothing about baseball are listening to our podcast. It's sort of like if your first video game is Dark Souls, you're starting at the, uh, you know, the hardest part. Everything's going to get easier from here. If you can pick up what we're putting down, everything else is going to be light as a feather. So the Colorado Rockies, they're, you know, 30 years old. Uh, they have been to the World Series once. They have never won their division and are generally completely forgettable. I checked a Sporkle quiz. I feel like that's a good barometer of you know, people's knowledge. And uh, the Rockies were the third most forgotten team on the Can You Name Every MLB Team quiz. Can I try and guess who the the two ahead of them are? Do you remember? You can. I remember one of them. Uh, I mean, I, I know that the like long-running joke is that the Reds are forgettable. Was it them? It's not because the way Sporkle works is that when you start typing something oh. in, so if you yeah. the people remember the Red Sox and get Reds automatically, yeah, one of them fair. was the Royals. And Royals, easy. I think I think maybe like D backs was you know yeah. the one ahead of them, but that's firmly fair. in the, the bottom tier of memorability to the general public. So further stuff about the ownership of the Rockies. Did you did you read anything about the original owners? No. So the Rockies were founded by the Colorado Baseball Commission, which was led by a group selected by John Antonucci, who is an Ohio beverage distributor, and Michael Monis, the head of far more drug stores. There were local regional companies from like the Midwest and, you know, see some money in, in the baseball game and they start up this expansion. I feel like this was a season of Fargo. Yeah, seriously. Like, yeah, it's like uh, Fargo or like, a scrapped True Detective season four. Local beer magnet and, shall we say, a small business distributor looking to go legitimate. What better venue than a uh, than a baseball team like the Colorado Rockies? So they they got some they got some movement to get a team in the the league's first Mountain Time Zone based team. 
Mm. Name was chosen. They forced out the Milwaukee Brewers AAA affiliate from the uh, the American Association Club. And then guess what? An embezzlement scandal hit the far more drugstore chain, and it tarnished Monas's reputation to a point that he had to sell his stakes in the team, leave, and who moves in? But Charlie and Dick Monfort. So Martin's scandal from the start, even beyond the what were really found in the outfield dig zone at at Coors Field. To say nothing of what's beneath the pitcher's mound, even to this yeah. day. There are a lot of theories about why pitches don't work at Coors Field, but I don't know if anyone has ever posited uh, extraterrestrial uh, malfiescence and trickery. These are the questions statisticians won't ask. They will only ask about what is in front of them rather than what is underneath the surface. Uh, hey, Jeff. Deadline's coming up soon. Uh, any personnel changes I should be expecting? Hello, bud. Good to hear from you. Unfortunately, in looking at our options, we weren't able to find anyone capable of helping our club at a price we feel is reasonable. We are, however, working on some extensions with a number of our current players. They have done quality work for us this year. The, uh, well, we're... We're just a few games out of first place. You know, the you know the guys, the team, really think we can make a run at the playoffs if we get some help. Like I said, we haven't found any outside acquisitions who would be equipped to help our ball club at this point in time. Jeff, we're, we're a game out of the last wild card. You do not seem to be understanding the situation, bud. Your appeal is for the acquisition of players who could contribute to winning the National League West. Or perhaps with some good fortune, the World Series. My response is that such actions would not be beneficial to the long-term success of our ball club. I don't... Uh, I... I... Uh, yes. Yes, it's clear. Good. I do not wish to make myself clearer. However, I do understand that you are upset. Perhaps an ice-cold Coors would calm your nerves. The players are free to partake as well. I really don't like the players drinking during games. We believe it would be beneficial to the long-term success of our ball club. We believe Nolan Arenado, in particular, might benefit from such a crisp, refreshing beverage. Third base is very important to us. Uh, I understand. I'll, uh, I'll have a talk with him about it. Thank you, bud. We're all counting on you. One thing that always uh, strikes me, too, about the Rockies is their their trade deadline behaviors and offseason trade behaviors. They really just don't make trades, even in sort of scenarios where there's no reason not to, like a player is not going to resign with the team and they've been good and the Rockies are bad. It's just they, they don't do it. And sort of a lot of you know former front office employees for other teams have gone on record uh, Kevin Goldstein, formerly of Fangraphs, being one of them, saying that the, the Rockies front office is the most bizarre and impossible to deal with. They are just always orders of magnitude far apart on you know, their players versus other teams' players, which tells me they value different things. They know what it takes to get to 500. They do, and it, sort of the assumption is that the Rockies don't understand how to win at baseball, but I think that might be selling them short and sort of an example of a 
you know, a little Dunning-Kruger thing on the, the part of everyone else that they assume the Rockies are doing the thing they're doing the wrong way as opposed mm -hmm. to just doing something else entirely. And we think it's high time that people really maybe stop and think and reckon with that. That this is just not a team that operates in the way we are taught to expect teams to operate. And I know, you know, this is November, December that we're talking about it, but like the trade deadline thing is so funny because I, I do always think about that with the Rockies because they, they're, they're often a team made up of the pieces that you want to add at the trade deadline, right? They are a bunch of, you know, guys who are all right. They could be a good bench piece. Right. You can help your team win a game or two down the stretch. A lefty bat that you would like to be able to pull up with a guy on second. Like, no, we'll hold on to all of them. We're cornering the market on those guys. We're building a whole team out of them. Do you think they're going to sign like Rowdy Telez or Vogelbach? They're perfect fits. Uh, I feel like Vogelbach would be a great fit, but I also think he would die of asphyxiation within oh, that's true. Like four hours in, in Denver. I don't know why. I just pictured him dying like the guy in Sunshine who tries to jump across the spaceships without a suit on yes. and just yes. freeze to death instantly. <laughs> No, I can do it. I'm trying to steal first. <laughs> trying to steal second. <laughs> yeah. Tri tries to steal to an opposing ship. And Vogelbach is frozen between first and second. We should talk a bit about like guys who like found themselves in Colorado and stayed in Colorado too. Because I think that, that that sort of exemplifies the Rockies as a team a bit. The Rockies have a, uh, in terms of their players and sort of the guys they have on their team, they have a very strong sort of comparison to another team that we will, I am sure, cover in depth, the Atlanta Braves. All their players are basically guys who were drafted and brought up there and never leave, or guys who stumbled their way over there at the age of like 32, and then also never leave. It attracts guys, I think, that don't care about their legacy in the entire framework of baseball because you are sort of always like marred by the scarlet letter of, Oh, your stats don't matter because you're playing on the moon. Mm -hmm. Like Todd Helton was a career Rocky, arguably one of the best hitters of all time, but he's probably never going to make the hall of fame. Cause they're like, eh, he only did because he was in Colorado. And I don't think Todd Helton gives a shit. I, I think that's a good point. The Rockies are made up of guys who do not check their own baseball reference pages. They do not care. They, they care about things beyond baseball. Baseball is a means to an end. That's pretty, fun as far as means go like charlie blackman when he was a junior in high school he went into his guidance counselor's office for those meetings that you do when they're like figuring out what you should try to major in in college mm -hmm. and where you should you know what what schools you should target or whatever and he did like a personality quiz or whatever and his guidance counselor was like i think you need to get good at baseball so that you can play for the colorado rockies he took a myers-briggs and got an rock uh, they loved their 35 year olds with the beer bellies, guys who are just fun to chill with. The guys who you walk into the clubhouse, they say, here comes trouble. Give me a hug, fella. That's the kind of that's the kind of team we need more of. You know that they have like a bunch of of like Pinterest style signs in their clubhouse. That's like, want another beer? Is there any other kind? <laughs> and, and they slap that sign before they head out to the field. Ted Lasso. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about like the actual real quotes that we have from Rocky's leadership about how they're striving for mediocrity. Yeah. There was a, a quote from Dick Monfort where he said sort of a, to a group of 
uh, investors and loyal fans and people who would generally need to be satiated that we're we're our goal is to play 500 ball this year, which is wild. Like that's an insane thing to say out loud. We're we have, going, you know we're we're hoping for 490. 500 would be nice. Yeah, and with the idea being too that if you say you're going to finish below 500, or as they put it a lot of the time, we're going to take a step back this year. The general intonation of it is that you know we're going to be worse this year, so we can be better the year after. Saying we're going to be completely average in every way. Saying yeah, we got no hopes or dreams, no future. We're good. We like where we are. Does <laughs> the Rocky Stadium of a barcade? That would be perfectly. Uh, the the visitors dugout has both the Aerosmith and Adams Family pinball machines. Players love coming there. <laughs> the, the world's largest Dave and Buster's. The world's first Dave and Buster's. The world's first Dave and Buster's. Ancient civilizations thousands of years ago had nice little ring toss and uh, a stone-based strategy game. Senate. That's what I'm thinking of. Senate. Come play Senate at your local Dave and Buster's. Hey, how about, uh, how about, I'm sorry, I can't allow you to do that, Dave and Busters. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave and Buster. I'm afraid I can't let you play that. You don't have enough tokens. I can't give you any more tickets, Dave and Busters. The following is a pre-recorded message. We at Wide Strike Zone can only presume this is to be played in the event of a successful Colorado Rockies season. What such a season would mean for the rest of us remains unclear. Good evening, gentlemen. If you are hearing this, it is because you have accomplished your mission. It has been our stated goal to consistently play 500 ball, and now we have done it. We have not been forthright with you about your mission to this point. This was done for the sake of security. This too is why retaining our players, at the expense of all except those who can most contribute to our cause, has been our top priority. In 1994, as this stadium was being built, a large black monolith was discovered directly beneath the pitcher's mound. Its exact origin remains a total mystery, but we have gleaned some clarity to its purpose. Our first discovery was made early. The monolith changes color depending on the temperature, shifting from black to alternating shades of purple as its exterior approaches what we believe to be its ideal resting point, 39 degrees Fahrenheit. We have harnessed this technology to fund and sustain our mission, which has now been completed. We have achieved, thanks to your fine efforts, what we believe to be the monolith's primary instruction. At the conclusion of each season, the monolith sends a radio signal to every Dave and Busters in America. The intensity of this signal strengthens the closer our record is to 500. We believe this is a message to us, encouraging us to follow the lead of those who best exemplify the monolith's moral imperative. Get drunk and have fun. The signal should be transmitting soon. Where we will go is a mystery even to us. But whatever happens, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure rocking with you. When the teams open up their third eye, what will they learn that the Rockies were doing right? We are at Wide Strikes on proposing the theory that the Rockies are an early retirement program for mid-30s veterans who do not want to quit playing baseball, but would like to uh, drastically slow down their efforts in doing so. Fossilize themselves in Colorado. There is a tacit agreement that these guys will get paid quite handsomely to barely play baseball, and when they do play, not play very well. 
on the condition that they are fun to hang out with. We'll chill with the fans and uh, crack a few smiles. Incredibly low stakes baseball. No, no one's going to be like mad about CJ Crone hitting 220 or Chris Bryan hitting the IL for <laughs> entire <laughs> entire season. Uh, what a place to be on the IL. Oh, yeah. Just put your feet up, feel lighter than air. Smoke a big old doobie. That is the attitude. So this is a thing, too, that the Rockies consistently rank very highly in attendance, despite not being very good and uh, generally having no intentions of being good. It's not one of those cases we see sometimes where a team is expected to be good. They sell a lot of season tickets and then they're bad, but they still sell well because, well, people bought the season tickets. You know, like maybe another team in the NL West last year, the Padres. Mm-hmm. Rockies, no, people just love it there. I mean, it's a testament to like the effective business model of just like putting a stadium downtown in a city that people like to live in. Mm-hmm. And they're like bar hopping and four o'clock rolls around. They say, oh, I've had nine beers in the last six hours. Maybe I'll go to the coolest bar in town, Coors Field. It's going to exactly. cost me eight dollars. Pay eight bucks, catch a foul ball. Get to yell at the Rockies mascot. Yeah, be careful with that, folks. We won't repeat it for those uh, who are hard of hearing because we don't want you to misconstrue what its name is, but now we will. Dinger the Dinosaur. (laughs) Dinger the Dinosaur. There was an incident a few years ago that we'll leave to you to look up. I am sure uh, everyone affiliated with the Rockies and Major League Baseball would like to forget about it, but suffice it to say, the most curbier enthusiasm scenario that has ever happened and uh, prompted some semi-earnest calls for the Rockies mascot to change his name. And we'll make a fully earnest call for the Rockies to never change their mascot's name. Absolutely not. Coolest mascot. Pro- probably. I mean, in terms of just like, you know, the uniqueness of the story, the dinosaur bones mm-hmm. that they found. Now, that's a little too convenient. It's entirely possible they yeah. found something else and dinosaur bones are just the cover story. Sort of, a you know, one of our official theories. But as far as, you know... Uh, developing a cover story goes having a cool uh, purple dinosaur mascot pretty sweet i cannot wait to be done talking about this team <laughs> <laughs> of this team seriously we will get to all 30 teams eventually and ideally some of them more than once but to be able to say that we have fully exposed the rockies for what they are their aims their dreams their goals intentions everything they stand for as a franchise and our first episode dedicated to a team, I think, is a, a, a victory for, for the podcast and baseball journalism at large. Just wanna use your love tonight